To be a wordsmith is defined as a person who writes, an author, a journalist, a person who commits their thoughts to paper. But I believe it is so much more. The ability to craft a story, to change lives, transport the ordinary life to an extraordinary place, to put words on paper and awaken the imagination in ways that the reader never dreamed possible. Yes, to have the ability to see what isn't there and make you see it too. To awaken the senses in new and amazing ways like feeling a cool breeze on a hot summer day on your cheek. To smell wildflowers as they bloom. To taste a delicacy on foreign soil. To feel like you've never felt before. Touching places long forgotten. Connecting your soul in new ways. That's what writers do. It's my pleasure to host Carolina Writers Speak, a new podcast, a chance to hear actual writers' voices, hear what inspires them, experience their trials and their struggles, and realize that we all have a story and it's worth telling. Hi, this is Rose Cushing podcast host for Carolina Writers Speak, and I'm very excited today. My guest is Diane Wolf, and Diane is an author and a publisher. So, Diane, tell us a little bit about you. Well, I am, of course, here in North Carolina. I've been here 30 years and love it, um, but as a writer, I've got uh, seven, seven books out now with another one coming out in February, and then, of course, I'm also the owner of uh, Dancing Lemur Press, under which we have over 60 titles. That's really awesome. So tell me a little bit about your books. Um, you know, you, you've written different kinds of books, so tell us a little bit about your inspirational book. Uh, the inspirational one came about from two seminars I do through the small business centers uh, at the community colleges here in North Carolina. Uh, one was on leadership and the other one's on goal setting. So that was uh, probably the first book that came out. The first book that came out through Dancing Lemur Press was uh, Overcoming Obstacles with Spunk, which combines those two into one book. And then I have another nonfiction one, um, How to Publish and Promote Your Book Now, also based on two different seminars that I do uh, for writers groups and for a small business center. Very nice. Now, those books are available through Dancing Lemur. Yes, and anywhere online, both uh, ebook and print. Now, how did you come up with the name Dance and Lemur? I'm just curious. <laughs> well, that one came about when I was first trying, many years ago, first trying to decide what the title was going to be. I had names written down a bunch of different ones, and my best friend had given me a picture of one of the Madagascar Dancing Lemurs, and I just looked at that, and I went, Dancing Lemur, and that became the winner. <laughs> well, it's definitely catchy and memorable, so that's a good title. So you said that you've written some other books. So tell me a little bit about your, you said you did a young adult series? Yeah, it's kind of a, somewhere between a young adult and new adult um, series of five called The Circle of Friends. They were probably the first books I actually ever wrote. Um, so, of course, you learn and grow as, as a writer, and so I definitely have since then. And then, of course, I took a break and did some uh, um, nonfiction and then coming out in January is uh, my paranormal series called In Darkness, and the very first one's The Vampire, followed up in a few months by The Shark, and then The Werewolf, and it will wrap up with The Alien. <laughs> wow. Well, that's good. You get to address all your, your fears and spooky stuff in one series. <laughs> <laughs> and they 
these are the first books I've published for myself in years of how to publish and promote your book now came out seven years ago, I believe, maybe even eight, and then it got updated uh, two years ago, but it's the first chance I've had to actually have time to write and uh, do some of my own work. I know, that's a hard thing when you're marketing work, trying to, to make new work is a tough task, without a doubt. So, tell me a little bit about your publishing business. Well, Dancing Lower Press, we take everything from science fiction and fantasy um, to some, again, new adult, young adult, uh, middle grade. And we also, uh, in addition to them being print ebooks, we also have a dozen of our titles that are available in audio as well. So, how do you decide about books that you're interested in publishing? Well, first of all, someone has to send in a query letter. Usually, usually it's email. Once in a great while, I still get a snail mail one. Um, as long as the query letter has been done correctly and the, the, I, they sent me everything I needed and the blurb and the synopsis sound really good for the story, I'll request the first three chapters. If I like the writing and the story grabs me, I'll request the whole thing. If I think it's something we can market, if it's what we do, and the writer's been really easy to work with up at that point, that's when I'll offer them a contract and we'll take it from now. Very nice. Now let's go back to your writing. Um, when you write, what, what would you say is harder to do or more challenging, fiction, nonfiction? I think fiction's actually more challenging. I had no problem whatsoever writing uh, either of my nonfiction books, mostly because like I said, probably also because I had already done seminars on them, so I basically had all the notes and everything, and I just had to organize it to book form. Uh, with fiction, it seems much more challenging because you've really got to write a compelling story to draw people in and keep them reading. So I'd say fiction's probably a little more challenging. I think fiction's harder, too. Because you really have to create every little detail. And with nonfiction, you know, you can resource it. Yeah. So you've got all the information right there. You just got to put it together. Absolutely. So your nonfiction series that's coming out, tell us a little bit about your first book in that series. The first one is The Vampire, and it's kind of set in, it would be like a medieval-type setting, but of course it's a fantasy world, so it doesn't actually exist. So it's kind of set in, you know, a lot of fantasy elements to it and everything. Um, a young lady's uh, kind of trapped as a barmaid at her dad's bar, dreams of traveling the world and seeing it, and a group of strangers comes in the bar, and she says she can guide them. And she discovers along the way they're vampires. <laughs> wow. That's really, really cool. So what led you to that particular theme? Anything special? just always really enjoyed the, the paranormal as long as it's done right. Um, you know, I, I, I'll admit I've never read any of the Twilight or any of those. That kind of that kind of paranormal, I, I don't like it as much set in a normal setting, even though a couple of mine are. Um, I like the more fantasy element of it. Um, but like I said, I will do it contemporary because the one that comes out after the vampire is the shark, and that is set in the uh, early 90s in Australia. That's really interesting. I'm excited to, to read some of those. So, when did you say that the vampire one is coming out? It comes out on the, I believe, the 7th of February. I can double check that. Yes, 7th of February. Then the shark follows up in May. That's fantastic. So, 
In your writing of your fiction novels, what would you say was your biggest obstacle in finishing your book? Oh, this is when you get stuck or you start to lose a little bit of momentum. And, and probably for me, actually, though, the biggest thing has always been time. And, you know, you just got to make time to write. But when I'm busy, you know, doing the editing and the marketing and all the submissions and everything else that goes with Dancing Our Press, I mean, my authors come first before me even. So that's just giving the time to write sometimes. And it's long times in between, and it's hard to get back into a story when you haven't touched it in, oh, say, five months. <laughs> so do you um, make a goal for yourself, like a certain number of words to write a day, or how do you discipline yourself to, to not only make that time, but to keep doing it in succession? As long as I can get at least a page a day. Um, I used to write everything longhand, and uh, actually the first three in this, I, all, all longhand, and then the other one was actually a revamp of an older story, the very last one with the alien. But, so that one, I was, since I'd already done it, I just went ahead and went into the computer and just typed it there. So I tend to just type everything out first now. That sounds good. So are you a panster or uh, a plotter? Oh, definitely a plotter. <laughs> I couldn't, if I had no idea where I was going, I sure would be really bad. <laughs> right. Right. I, I've been trying to decide that about myself, and I think I'm a pretty decent combination of both of them, so I haven't quite found my groove yet with that one. And, and certainly, even when you make an outline, you can always change things as you go when you suddenly realize there's a better direction to the story. Yeah. Um, certainly, like I said, the, the, the last one, which I actually just finished writing uh, a little over a week ago, The Alien, I, of course, went in a very different direction from the original version. And even when I got towards the end and I was trying to figure out how to make it really wrap up good, something else even better hit, so, you know, even just your gut feeling, you just got to go with, okay, that's going to be the best way to go. Right, definitely so. Now, in your nonfiction books, what would you say was your greatest obstacle in writing them? Oh, like I said, they were so much easier. Probably just trying to get my thoughts all organized. Um, I remember literally taking my notes from doing the talk for when I did Overcoming Obstacles with Funk. Um, I literally printed out my notes from both of those seminars cut all the little sections apart and then literally laid them down on the floor trying to figure out, okay, where are they going to go? What would be the best way to group these to, for, you know, for each chapter? And that was, that was kind of a challenge. That's when you hope your cat doesn't suddenly come running in and mess everything up. I know. I've, I've been waving at mine this morning trying to keep them off of my table here while I'm trying to do the podcast because I have one that wants to sail right on top of my recording tablet here. <laughs> So, uh, you know, th to write it the way the nonfiction's like you're talking about, I have a lot of friends, especially in the horse industry, that have um, written articles or they've done clinics, and to try to find a way to organize all that stuff and put it in a book form has been really challenging for them. Any advice to those kind of folks who kind of have their material down pat? They just need to know how to lay it out. Possibly even just do like I did, just literally print out what you got, lay it all out, even if, you know, like even if it's just articles, and just figure out what would be the best order 
for it to go in to, to still make it because it's still got to be cohesive. You can't just fling them all in there somewhere. Right. But same thing. Just print each article out and figure, okay, what would be the best order? What could I possibly need to do to bridge two that don't seem to fit together? Would that be a whole other section? You know, and just kind of lay it all out so you can really get a good look and figure out what order is best for it. Yeah, because I think that's the hardest thing. I, I'm going to transcribe all of my horse podcasts and make them into a book, Today's Horsewoman. And I've been trying to figure out, you know, how to tie them together and, and get them all going. So I, I am also very curious about what would be a good strategy for getting that off the ground and going forward. Well, if you have, um, there's a thing called... Uh Dragon speaking, I forgot exactly what it's called, but it's where it's, you talk and it types for you. Uh-huh. With yours, it's either in podcast or just get the, that software and just uh, hold the microphone, hold <laughs> the speaker, and just let it let it print it all, let it all transcribe for you. Yeah, that's not perfect. That, that's, that's a good idea. Time. That's a yeah, good idea. At least time. it would be going. <laughs> yes. It then saves you time typing. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a really good idea. I hadn't thought about that, so thank you very much. I used to be a medical transcriptionist, so I thought about transcribing it, but Dragon would certainly work better. Is yeah, there it's not an exact name of it? You can look for, for the voice, you know, to transcribe like that. It, it's, it's, I think, maybe $100 for the software and all that stuff and, and the headphones, but it's, it would work really easy. Well, well worth it for sure. So, um,. Tell me a little bit more about your publishing book and, and marketing. I know one of the questions we get asked a lot is that if a publisher picks up your book, you know, do they just do everything for you or does the publisher expect you to do things? So can you address that just briefly? Uh, definitely the publisher will expect you to do most of the marketing, whether it's a small publisher, medium, or even some of the big ones. Um, most big ones, they, they're looking for the best sellers, and those will put a lot of marketing dollars into, but all the mid-list authors and below, they don't put much marketing into it, so it really is, does fall still in the lap of the author. So if a writer thinks, well, I'm going to go, I'm trying to get traditionally published because I'm not very good at marketing, I tell them they're still going to have to do a lot of the marketing. Well, that's, that's what I was thinking because, you know, at the end of the day, you know your product better than anybody, and, and it is truly something that you need to handle. Um, any tips for people on how to get their, their marketing going? Well, for one thing, it's got to start many months before the book comes out. Um, the way we've always set it up is a minimum of six months, preferably on the other end of eight uh, is when we start sending out review copies. And that's when the marketing really needs to start. That's when the author needs to get out there and do cover reveals, show the cover off at that point. We'll have the cover. Also start looking for reviews. Uh, start looking for uh, both live events and online tour stops that they could do, things they can start setting up. We always, for our authors, we always give them little Twitter badges with their book and everything on it, um, Pinterest images and other things that they can use to really start getting the, the word out. And they got to really start doing that, like I said, a, a minimum of six months before the book comes out. That's what I was thinking, too, because, you know, you think when you write your book, your work's done, but the, really that's when your work starts. Yes, that is when the real work starts, <laughs> definitely. So um, six to eight months before they book, their book is ready to, to go out to the masses, they should begin their marketing plan. They should write out a marketing plan and, and do a strategy, yes. would you say? 
Yes. Like I said, one of the things that we request in our submission guidelines is a marketing plan, and it's got to be more than just, I'm going to post on Facebook and Twitter. It's like, that's not a marketing plan. I'm not sure what that is, but that's not a plan. Right. You've got to have a detailed plan of what you're going to do, list you where you are online, what your contacts are in the online and in the real world, because if you're with an organization, they could help you with marketing as well. So you just really got to get creative and think of all the different things you could do to market your book. Uh, absolutely. That, that's good. very good point, pointers and tips, without a doubt. Now, in a query letter, are there any tips you can give people briefly to how to, how to know how to do that and do something that would catch a person's eye? Well, number one thing is to know how to do one, and there are so many websites out there. All you got to do is Google query letters, <laughs> book query letter, and you're going to find some fantastic websites that really show you how to outline one. Um, it should, of course, be just one page. It shouldn't just any longer. You're making your making your query letter too long. But just a real basic. It always has the title in it, have the genre, have the word count. We don't care about page counts because we just care about word count. Um, a brief little blurb. We'll consider what would be on the back. Would be a brief little blurb that describes the book. And then usually just wrap it up with any other writing credits you have or anything else or why you think this person, you know, the publisher or agent would, is, would be interested in this. And then, of course, a lot of them will also want a full synopsis if it's a um, fiction book and an outline if it's a nonfiction, and that would be in addition to what they did. And then, of course, have a marketing plan prepared because a lot of them are also going to be asking for one. Right. Now, when you are looking at people to publish their books, do you look at things like how much following they have on social media and the different types of social media that they're familiar with and that they use, or do you take any of those things? I do. Yeah, I do. I always go and check, and if they've had other books published, I go and check, you know, Amazon and, and see, you know, what are the reviews of these books, you know, just to get an idea. I check how, how active they are online, and they don't have to be huge active. And especially if they are more active in the real world, that will counter that somewhat. But they need—they definitely need to be online and active. And I do always go and check just to see, just make sure they're not, you know, I get over there and they've got, say, got five Twitter followers and that was a big part of their marketing. I'm like, five is not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Now, one more question is, well, how do you feel about book trailers, like video trailers? We used to do them. They're, they're really neat, but the ones we were doing were really involved, and it would take my four illustrators two to three months to put them together. We did, we did quite a few of them um, because he, uh, my illustrator doesn't do anything simple, so they were all created from scratch with using you know 3D Studio Max and everything and all the different uh, programs that you can, and we don't use font images, so all that had to be created. Right. Uh, we had to buy music for them, which it's not that expensive to buy music. We have music bakeries where we always get our music. But we haven't done one in a couple of years just because it's, it is really involved to do a good one. Do you think that they help in selling the book to make it worthwhile or no? Anymore, probably not. Uh, you don't see as many anymore just because I think, again, it, it's just so much work for not a lot of payoff. I mean, you, if you just have half-ass, pardon the French, half-ass one, you're really just wasting your time because then it's not going to be very good and it's not going to be a good tool for selling the book. But, if you you know, to make a really good one, it is going to be very involved and sometimes kind of not worth the time. It just really depends on the book. Some books do really well with trailers and some 
it wouldn't matter either way. Right. And, you know, I think that's an important point that you brought out, too, about is it worth, is the, the gain worth the, the work? And that's something that you really have to look at with your book. I know a lot of authors, you know, are excited about being an author and very proud of their book. But at the end of the day, it's a business and you have to make sure that all of the things that you expend money on are going to pay off in the long run or you're wasting your time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, do you have illustrators that you guys refer people to when you pick up their book contract? Is, or is there a source that people can find good illustrators that would be public domain? Um, if they're self-publishing, there's a lot of public domain that have uh, you know, images that they can either buy or use. Usually they have to buy them, as stock images. Uh -huh. I really don't recommend anybody doing that just because if you put, I've, I've seen this one stock image of a couple holding their hands, run silhouetted, running down a tunnel on three different books. Two were self-published, one was used by a publisher, and it's the same image. And your cover art is so important. So I really tell people, if they're not, especially in self-published, try not to use clip art and cut, you know, try and get something original. Um, all of ours are, with one exception, and this is the author's assistance that we use a certain image. Otherwise, all ours are created in-house by my illustrator. And do you recommend any kind of software to, for people to use as they're writing their book? Um, I know there, there's a lot of them out there. I'm not familiar with any of them, but I, I wondered if that was a good source to rabbit to chase or not. <laughs> well, for just initially writing it, easily, of course, Word, um, if you're doing print books, you need InDesign, Adobe InDesign, uh -huh. and for cover art, you can do the whole thing in Photoshop, because um, all you need is the, once you have the book, the book size, you know how many pages it's going to be, then you know how thick the sign will be, and you can get a template um, downloaded that you can just easily fill in where the spine, the cover, and the back are going to be. Right, right. All right, very good. Is there anything that you would like to tell folks out there that um, are writers, any tips that you want to offer them or help them along their journey? Oh, I could offer you a million. <laughs> um, no one thing is just, like I said, it, it, you're not going to have, the, your very first book is not going to be huge. It's not going to be a bestseller. It, your very first story is probably not going to be the one you sell because it does take a lot of writing to get to be good at it. So just really study the craft. You know, you don't need a master in anything, but definitely study the craft, see how good books work, and just really learn how to craft a good story, one that you really believe in. And if you really believe in it, when you're out querying, you're going to get a lot of no's. Mm -hmm. If this happens, you just got to find the right publisher or agent who also really believes in your story. So learn the craft and, and then just believe in yourself and don't give up. Very good tips. Now, ha tell people how they can reach you. You can find me, and let's, I'll give you two websites. Uh, StancingLemurPress.com is our Stancing Press's site. And then my personal site, because uh, I'm also a professional speaker, is FunkOnAStick.net. <laughs> and we're really excited. Um, Diane is going to be teaching a, a workshop for us through Triangle East Writers. Uh, on publishing and so you know there'll be a lot of information coming forward with that on our website and on 
our Facebook page. And I believe that that is in March, March 18th. Yes. Yes, excited to do that for you. I'm really excited to work with you. And anything else you want to leave our, our potential writers and readers out there with? <laughs> well, keep writing, keep reading. Um, like the good chance, go explore the site. We've got some great uh, authors on our site. Um, I have one author we had just signed his uh, third book, uh, Damian Larkin. He's over in Ireland. And uh, like I said, i got a couple of mine coming out next year. And uh, we've got another one of Tales from the Valley, which is a group up in the uh, up in the West Virginia area. So go check out some of the stuff we have. And if you are reading isn't your thing, you like audiobooks, we have a dozen audiobooks too. Also, one more question before I let you go. What are your, what are your feelings on large print books? I, I recently um, found a friend who was doing her poetry in large print because she felt like a lot of her readership was an older generation. And I was thinking, you know, there's probably not as much competition in the large print world. No, there isn't, just because, again, it's good. when you get into the larger print, that's going to also increase your page count, which is going to make the book more expensive, so not as many people do it, um, which is, of course, the nice thing about an e-book is you can just go in there and tap, 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 tap. Yeah. As as you want. <laughs> that's right. They're very, very true. All right. Well, I appreciate you being with us today, and it's Dancing Lemur Press for you folks out there, and, and you can follow them on social media and go to their website, and Triangle East Writers is where you can find Diane teaching a workshop in March if you want to sign up for that. So thank you for being on the show this morning, Diane. Oh, I appreciate it so much, Rose. It was a lot of fun. And thank you guys, as always, for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Everybody has a story. Just let your mind drift away and find yours. I know it's out there. What are you waiting for?